This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with The App Show. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. Thanks for tuning in. We're uh, all about the latest apps and mobile technology, like smart TVs and smartphones and electric cars. Today we have a great program. We are going to be talking a little bit about uh, COVID and specifically COVID technologies, uh, the vaccine passports that are being rolled out in various provinces uh, across the country. You know, Quebec has them, BC's rolling one out, Ontario as well, I think Manitoba. Well, we're going to talk about how to make that easier to show your passport on your phone. We've got an app that uh, makes it uh, really easy for iPhone users. Uh, And we're going to be talking with a researcher that is developing a a COVID cough app. So instead of sticking a thing up your nose, (laughs) which we all love, He's developing an app that when you've got it on your smartphone, you cough into your smartphone and the app can tell you with a certain degree of accuracy on par with the the nose swab, whether you have COVID or not. So we're going to find out when that's coming out. I I would want to use that. And uh, finally, we're also going to be uh, looking at building your own phone. John is uh, Mr. DIY. He loves putting stuff together. He's making his own phone, soldering it together. It's not a smartphone, though. I should clarify. I don't care. Like, the fact that you can put a phone together? Yeah. No, it's, it's, I'm looking forward to doing it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, we're going to give you details. This is something that you might want to try at home. You can order this kit. And a great family project. You know, get your son or daughter and you know, yeah. spend a Sunday trying to solder this phone together. <laughs> It's going to be exciting. Well, yeah. let's talk about some of the news uh, now in the, the mobile and app world, John. Apple, they have a big announcement coming out. What's the date? Is it Tuesday? This Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday yep. So if you want to see some commentary on that, I mean, you can tune into the Apple stream, but why not tune into our stream? We're going to live stream, John and I. Uh, we're going to have the Apple stream going on with us, and we're going to be commenting on the announcements yes. as they go along. So you can check that out at Get connectedmedia.com and that'll be Tuesday. Yes, Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Yes, and you'll be able to watch it later if you can't watch it live. It'll be on our YouTube channel afterwards. But yeah, come in live. Yeah. We'd love to to see you. So one of the big rumors is the iPhone 13. Yes. And one of the interesting features is that it potentially will be able to make satellite calls, like a satellite phone. Yeah, so when you don't have cell service, so say you're in the back country and you don't, you're not near a cell tower, you have no service, you would normally need a cell satellite phone to make that call. Yeah, I don't know how this is going to work. Have you seen satellite phones, John? Yeah, they're huge. Yeah, they got the giant antenna. Looks like a hot dog, <laughs> a plastic hot dog on top of your phone. Do you know what I mean? I do. So I don't know how like this iPhone 13 is going to accomplish that without that giant antenna. Yeah. Well, you have to bring a hot dog. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it sounds like there's this, there's a new satellite modem that Qualcomm has that may be part of this process. But the rumor is, is that you're not going to be able to just use this ad hoc. This will be for emergency purposes only. Yeah. So you know why, right? Because otherwise people just stop paying for service. (laughs) Yeah. The cell phone carriers will go crazy. Yeah. Because look at all these new satellite internet companies. Like Amazon's launching one. Elon Musk has got Starlink, which is 
doing really well. Yeah. You know, it's kind of out in beta testing right now, but we've talked to several people that use it and their lives have changed because they weren't able to get good internet service before. Yeah. And now they can literally get it in their cabin up in the mountains. Well, and I think that's also the Holy Grail. I mean, we take it for granted because we live in an urban center, but we have pretty decent coverage where we live. But if you live in a place that maybe doesn't, having your smartphone that's always connected would be the Holy Grail. It would. Yeah. So we'll find out Tuesday about the new iPhone 13 launch. That's what we're speculating. Yeah. And we're also looking at the rumors that there will have satellite calling capability for emergencies. Do you think they're going to call it the 13? Yes. Yeah. What do you think they're going to call it? Well, is 13... The iPhone Super Deluxe? (laughs) But is 13 a lucky number or is it an unlucky number? I don't know. Like how many people are that superstitious? Like one of their big markets is the Asian market. I don't think 13 is unlucky in Asia. Yeah, but there's never a 13th floor in your elevator. Well, there is in a lot of buildings now. Is there? I don't know. I'll have to check that out. Okay. Uh, Also in the mobile uh, news, this is interesting. Over in the EU, and even Germany is really spearheading this, they may need to offer seven years, when I say they, Apple and Google, may need to offer seven years of repair and part service. And you know how long smartphones last here, right? Or how much, how long they wanted them to last. Like three years or yeah. four years before they don't offer updates anymore. Yeah, I'm just trying to think what, so we've got an iPhone 12 right now. So seven year old version. Be like an iPhone 3 or iPhone 4? No, no, iPhone 5 maybe. Yeah. We'd maybe. have to look up the numbers on that. Yeah. So what the European Union is doing, and the German government's pushing this as well. They're part of the European Union. Uh, they want the big guys like the Apples and Googles of the world to be required to provide security updates and repairs for their smartphones and tablets for at least seven years. And I, I agree with the security updates. I think that makes sense because there's no reason why they can't just continue to patch holes in older hardware. Yeah. I'm not so sold on the parts and repair stuff because quite often those parts and repairs, they'll just be priced out of getting it fixed versus getting it replaced. Yeah. So, but I, I do think that having, you know, if you put a product out there, you should be obligated to support it from a security standpoint, especially with a device like a smartphone, which is a huge vector for security problems. Yeah. If it's not properly patched and most people that aren't technical are only going to do the auto updates when they're forced to. Yeah. I like my parents still have older iPhones. Like they have iPhone sixes. Yeah. And I'm glad they still work. Yeah. But, but yeah. How, how long should smartphones be? It, it's, it's, it's around for, it, it's interesting. Cause you do see some people that probably have a very pristine iPhone five. Yeah. But they just can't update anything and they can't run any apps on it. They use, literally just use that as a phone. Yeah. Well, well, that's what my parents do, right? Yeah. They're not texting. Yeah. They're not even using Facebook. Yeah. But I don't know. Uh, you know, it's a sustainability thing as well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if we're having to constantly update our gear every two or three years, that's a lot of garbage in the landfills. I know they can recycle a lot of it, but there's still going to be stuff in the landfills. Yeah. You know, well, it's all those extra batteries they're making. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, even the broken parts that get replaced. Yeah. Those old screens that are smashed. Yeah. Those just go to the landfill. They don't recycle that. 
When we come back from the break, we're going to be talking about COVID passports in BC and rolling out to other provinces as well, like Ontario, Manitoba, and I believe already over in Quebec. And an app that can tell if you have COVID by you coughing into your smartphone. Back after this. You're back with the program. Mike and John here. Well, I think we have to talk about vaccine passports. They're a thing happening here in British Columbia, but also rolling out in other provinces as well. Ontario, I think Manitoba, Quebec, Alberta. No. (laughs) Well, there's people asking for it there. Yeah, they're trying all sorts of things uh, before that. So for better, for worse, they're coming. Yeah. So what we want to talk about today is just uh, how how to sign up for this. We're going to talk a little bit about the BC one, but it's going to be similar for some of the other uh, provinces. And we're going to talk about an app you found that'll make it easy to put it in your Apple wallet. Well, it's one of those things that's really frustrating, though. Like, the government has known this is coming. And pick any provincial government or even federal government. There's lots of ways to make this really easy for people. And they chose not to. <laughs> I don't know if it's because of regulations or limitations of their developers or staff or, or whatnot. I'm not putting any blame, but one of the things that would be very simple is, like you mentioned, being able to take these passports and put it somewhere that's very accessible, very easy to get at, like your credit cards, like your bank card, through like an Apple wallet, Google Pay, Samsung Pay, those type of things all have the same facility on the Android side to do this type of thing. Just like you get a boarding pass for a flight, you can put it on your phone and you just show that and you're good to go. What was interesting though, John, um, from our experience so far with the BC one, it's not an easy thing. Like I'm a smart guy <laughs> and it, it took me a bit to figure out how to actually get it. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the challenges we had is it was, we knew it was coming, but it hadn't been officially released yet. And then everyone found out that you could actually go to the website early. So the website was getting slammed. Yeah. So things were broken. They weren't working properly. They even looks like they changed some of the way things worked to make it smoother for the later on people. But when I went in, I was able to create a passport. Basically, it's a QR code that you then take a screenshot of. And when I did it, I could actually download a PDF of it directly as well, which seems to have gone away. Yeah, I couldn't find that. Nobody but can. Yeah. M- maybe it's on the web. See, but that's the thing. You gotta, you can use a mobile app, but it, it's not really using the, like the, for the BC one, we've got what's called the BC Health Gateway. And so you can download the app, but when you go in to register for it, it then kicks you out to a website. So then it opens up your web browser, and which I would think would confuse most people. Yeah, they could have easily just opened up that browser inside the app so that you don't have to leave or you just bake it right into the app itself so you don't actually have to do anything else. Again, I don't know enough about the logistics of how they built the BC Services Card app and how they're trying to integrate this passport. The other thing is a lot of this stuff is done very rapidly Normally, yeah, they've had months, right? Like usually, like even if, like we try to change our website. Yeah. It's taken like a year, right? <laughs> so the yeah. fact that they can actually put together this vaccine passport system, I, I have to give them some credit. Oh, because absolutely. Because yeah. it's not like they had a year. They, no. they had months. No. And maybe they didn't even have months. Like they had weeks to get well, it to go on. Well, and it's the government. So you know that there has to be 18 levels of approvals before anything moves. I don't even know how they did it. Yeah. I've got to be honest. Yeah. Like, if it takes us a year to get a website together that is just basically a website of our videos, it's yeah. not like that sophisticated. Like trying to get 
the government to put a whole yeah. health vaccine passport system together. So my hat's off to them. Yeah. That being said, yes. Are there issues? Yes. So how do we make it easier? Well, one of the things that uh, I, I did or thought of at least right away when I first got my Apple Watch like years ago is, wow, this is going to make life easier for things that don't have a credit card thing. Like so originally when you had a Starbucks card, you go into Starbucks, you actually had to have the card, you'd have to tap it, that kind of thing. Then they got like the QR code thing you could use. Then I realized you could just put your QR code as your watch face on my Apple Watch and do that. I'm like, well, why can't I can do the same thing with this vaccine passport? If I want to go into a restaurant, I want to go into some stores, other places that they're going to be enforcing this passport. I want it to be quick and accessible. I don't want to navigate through my files app to try to find a a photo of my QR code. Like, or go into that damn app. Well, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't even get me started on that. Yeah. So, so I, I, uh, I guess a few months ago, we did a video. I did a video about an app for, for iPhones called uh, Clockology that lets you create custom watch faces for your Apple Watch. And so I just made a really simple watch face, put the time on the bottom, and then my QR code at the top. So, and we, we tested it, and it scans very easily. So... I don't necessarily want to have my QR code always present, though. But you could, like for Apple Watch users, uh, you could just, like, because one of the uh, watch faces you can have is a photo. Yeah. So you could just use the photo screenshot of your QR code. But sometimes they'll just put the clock on top of that QR code. Oh, yeah. And right. that will mess that up. It won't work. Yeah. Yeah. So, so True uh, that. Uh, a friend on Facebook, he actually... I posted about doing this and he said like, oh, I'm trying to do the same thing, but I'm trying to add it to my Apple wallet. And again, this is something that if the government was able to do it, they should have done it because this would make life so much easier. Just like going, you know, Air Canada getting a boarding pass um, is there's an app on the iOS store. It's not cheap. It's $11 Canadian. <laughs> but I'm downloading it. Yeah. Um, it's called Make Pass. And what it does is it allows you to turn almost anything into an Apple walletable uh, card. Card, And yeah. you can create and customize everything about it. You can have custom colors. You can have basically wallpaper behind it. This is actually really good for lots of things, not just the vaccine passport. Like yeah. if you want to make a custom invitation for your friends for like a birthday party or something like that, you could do that with this. And the other thing I realized is only one person needs to download it. You don't all need to have it because I can actually create wallets for other people too. Oh, can you? Yeah. Oh, because I was going to download it. But now that I know that you spent the $11, oh, you expensed it, didn't I'm going to expense it. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, but yeah, so what you do is you basically browse through your photo library or your file library and you can actually just add a photo as your, your QR code and then it becomes a walletable thing. Then you just add it to your Apple wallet. Like it literally took me like all of five minutes while we were at lunch yesterday. Yeah, so the Apple Wallet, again, kind of like Google Pay and, and what have you, is where you'd keep your credit cards or your debit card yeah. digitally. So, you know, you see people scanning their phone when they're checking out of the grocery store or going through the McDonald's drive through yeah. That's the same place that you would put yeah. your vaccine passport QR code yeah. in there. So the government hasn't come up with that. No. But this app, what's it called again? Make Pass. Make Pass. It's 11 bucks, but maybe go in on it with a few friends and you can make passes for all your iPhone friends. Yeah. That will easily go into your Apple wallet. Yeah. So now the really cool thing is it actually auto syncs with my Apple watch. So I can just double tap the button on my watch and it pops up and it fully scans too. That's good. Yeah. But I can also use my phone as well. But my advice for a lot of people that don't want to go through all of that is either call them 
and because there's a phone number right on the web page and they'll send you a physical card yeah. or download the, the PDF and print it out and keep that in your purse or wallet. Go to Staples and get it laminated. You're going to be using this 100%. for a while. Yeah. So that's probably the fastest way. And I got to say one more thing, John. For all the people putting their QR code, their vaccine passport QR code on Facebook, don't. That's, that's personal to you. Yeah. Like other people can then download that and they can be you. Yeah. Although it sounds like you're going to have to show photo ID to go with yeah, the QR Yeah, thank God. Yeah. But hopefully they that yeah. happens. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I can see that people playing fast and loose with that. Well, you kind of experienced that when you were traveling recently when, you know, various people that aren't that interested in enforcing, com- enforcing it were forced to verify that you're... COVID yeah, when I, yeah, when I went through the airport, because they want to see my, my COVID test and everything, and it's all on my phone. Yeah. And they would just glance at it. Yeah. They didn't check it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it was just, they had to do it, and they, and they just, okay, yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Don't put your QR code up on your social media feeds. No, it's the same thing when people were posting their vaccination cards, too, <laughs> with their lot numbers and their date of birth and yeah. everything. Like, that's some pretty rich data about you. Yeah, right? Yeah. So, don't. okay, the app again? Make Pass. Make Pass. So, if you want to create uh, a little card in your Apple wallet, this is for the iPhone people out there. We're going to research and see what they have for Google. Uh, but this will make it easy. You just have to take the screenshot of your QR code and put it into this app, and it'll create a little Apple wallet card, which will make it way easier for you to to basically present when you go to a restaurant or movie. Because then you just have to double tap your phone or your watch, and it'll just pop up. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You're back with the program. Mike and John here. Well, we uh, spent the last year talking a lot about COVID, <laughs> maybe too much, but there's some really interesting innovations happening in the tech and app world. We've got a great guest on the line. His name is uh, Ahmed Mohammed. Uh, he is uh, an assistant professor over at Thompson River University in Kamloops. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me today. So uh, I, I found... Uh, what you've developed, uh, very interesting. So uh, we obviously have COVID tests now. Uh, you know, we've got the nasal ones, there's blood ones, uh, mm-hmm. there's gargle ones. But you found a way to potentially detect COVID uh, coughs using an app. Can you tell us more about that? Well, if you think about this test that you just mentioned about the nasal and the blood test, you would see that they are invasive test. So you have to donate some blood or even insert at least two inch uh, nasal swab inside your nose and collect some samples. If you if you did this once, you may not be able to do it again. So we're thinking, okay, what if we create some tools that is non-invasive and people can use over and over again to, to tell them about their potential uh, of, of catching COVID? So we thought first how to do that. Should we, for example, use some saliva? Okay, so you spit on something and then can tell you what's going on. It's then become really not good. So we move to something else. If anyone is sick or even have a a common influenza, it will affect his vocal cords and uh, his sound, uh, his vocabulary will be really different. So we thought, okay, why don't we try to ask people to cough against their phones and we'll collect this cough and try to look for some characteristic and related to COVID. Eventually, we we were able to come up with an app that has some good sensitivities that can be used again and again. I will give you an example. Uh, to come back to university, students are required to take uh, 
a full vaccination. Uh, they must have uh, two shots of vaccine. Some students actually refuse to take that for whatever reason. The alternative is to go for continuous tests. Okay, again, this is so cost the university a lot. And eventually people, especially students, will skip it for many reasons. Scheduling, uh, they really got uh, a sake of this procedure. Why not using the app and the Caffeganus and it will tell everyone if there is a potential for COVID or not. So let me get this straight. Uh, basically, you would load an app onto a smartphone, for example, and then have someone just cough into the phone? Yeah, again, it's the phone. That's exact. We have two versions, actually. We have a, a, a desktop application that uh, you can use your mic, standard mic, to do that, or using your uh, phone, just in cafe against it, and then... With, with, within a few seconds, you will have uh, uh, some sort of uh, pre-screening. It's not a diagnostic tool. It's just a pre-screening tool. It can tell you if you need to, someone, to see someone or not. How did you figure out what a COVID cough sounds like? Well, <laughs> we're looking for we're looking for a specific pattern that cannot be seen by human eye. There is some artificial intelligence back end to figure out that. We ask people who test positive for COVID to use the app and people who think they are really normal to use the app. And then using the machine learning technique we develop as a backend for this app, we collect some hidden patterns and then relate this pattern with either there is a COVID or no COVID. And, and what is the overall accuracy? Well, right now we have a sensitivity that is equal to 74%, which is very close to the swap uh, sensitivity. What you're looking for is a sensitivity more than the accuracy here, simply because uh, some tests will let people go happy. They are, they are negative for COVID. The test will tell you that while they are really positive and the test lets them go. These people going to the uh, community, spreading the virus, especially if they are asymptotic, uh, spreading the virus everywhere in community, circulating the virus. And then we have many of these variants, like the Delta variant and the new variant in you. So the, the sensitivity is what you're looking for. And our app sensitivity right now in the 74, 75%. Are you going to be able to improve that? Uh, we need more data. That's why the next step is to deploy this in the wild and ask people all over Canada to contribute their cap sound. Not only cap sound, but maybe some vowels. Think, think about the gate. If you have a normal flu, this will affect your vocal cord, the way you speak, the way you, you produce the, the sounds for different vowels. So we, we may also ask people to donate some vowels, ask them to, 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 to say out loud some sentence, and then we will try to chop this sentence and come up with a pattern. Not only cough, it could be any any long sentence. Yeah, so that's a good question. So how do you differentiate between like just a normal cold cough and a COVID cough? Okay, so uh, there is no separate line between both. We need to have a survey to ask people about some question. For example, if they have fever in the last 24 hours, running nose, uh, 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 skin rash, the symptoms that most likely correlated with COVID more than any other flu. And we still have a margin of error. We, that's why it is a pre-screening tool, just to assure people that there is, uh, there is something going on with your system. So keep the testing 
against the app. And then if the app is 100% sure, we'll, we'll, we'll give you a red flag to see a position. We're talking all about uh, an interesting new app uh, that will actually potentially tell you when you cough into your smartphone, when you've got the app going, that you have COVID. Uh, we've got um, Ahmad Mohammed uh, on the line. He's the assistant professor over at uh, Thompson River University in Kamloops. When could we expect to see this rolled out so people could test it? Well, we hope to have a working version that can be uh, deployed at the wild, by, by saying at the wild, to accept a large volume of data, okay, simultaneously from different places, from different, from different devices, and then we would be able to know more specifically about the patterns, and then we'll be able to, again, suggest uh, uh, to see a physician. It's not, it's not uh, a diagnostic tool. And there is a big difference between diagnostic and pre-screening. Pre-screening is to tell you there's something wrong is going on. And we believe it's a little bit close to COVID. So please stop seeing people, stop going to circulate the virus and see a physician. This is more effective, uh, especially if we have an uncontrolled population going everywhere. Do you have a name for it so people can look out for it? Right now, we still do not have a, a big name for it. We, <laughs> we're still getting some uh, regulatory stuff and consent to release it. Uh, once we have it, we'll announce. But right now, you, you, you are really uh, welcome to read our paper on, on nature, a scientific report that explains everything. And hopefully people can use it. And, and we hopefully we can get rid of this COVID very soon. Been talking with Ahmad Mohammed, uh, again, assistant professor over at Thompson River University of Kamloops. Thanks for joining us and good luck with it. Thank you so much. Have a good day. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You're back with the app show. Mike and John here. The show's all about apps and mobile technology, smartphones. And we talk a lot about all the latest and greatest smartphones, John. You know, yeah. like the Samsung Galaxy phones and the new iPhone 12, the new iPhone 13 coming out. But there's many other makes and models. And there's one that you've just ordered that really fascinates me because it's not even assembled. You've ordered a smartphone that comes in pieces and you're gonna have to solder this thing together. Yeah. Tell me more (laughs) and why. Well, I I saw this a while ago. It's from a company called Circuit Mess and they're based in Croatia. And they're kind of known for their, their STEM and STEAM kits. So science, technology, arts, math, all the, all the good stuff, engineering. Um, and I was really attracted to this because I think it's a, a fun little project. I love soldering projects, things I put together. As you know, my synthesizer, most of it's been soldered and assembled by myself. And this is a, a smartphone. Well, it's a phone. Let's call it a feature phone because it's not, you know, it doesn't have a giant touch screen. It doesn't have Facebook and all that kind of stuff on it. But it's a really neat little kit. And they're actually saying that even an 11-year-old kid could put this together. Okay. So, and one of the neat things is you put a lot of it together yourself. They estimate it's going to take about five hours of time. And that's an 11 year old with some help from an adult. Yep. Because you're using a hot soldering thing. And it'll probably take me about that amount of time too. And, you know, this is a neat little phone. It kind of reminds me a little bit like, remember the old Nokia candy bar phones? Yes. Yeah. And I mean, you're looking at it right now. It's 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 kind of similar. It kind of looks like a phone. It also looks like, I don't even know, like a circuit board. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you'd want to take this on a plane. <laughs> um, yeah. Because, I mean, it, it doesn't have like a nice 
clean case. But you could get a case for it, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. Right? That would hide all the circuitry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's basically a sandwich of, of laser-cut acrylic. Got it. And they even have 3D printable files so you can make your own inserts and stuff like that. Got for it. it. So, But, you know, it, it has all the things you want. You actually choose the country, and it has 4G, and, you know, it, it's a phone. It has a very small screen. Um, but it doesn't have a keyboard or anything, and the screen's not touchscreen. No, no, no. It's, it's a small screen. It's got your typical, you know, numeric keypad-y type uh, interface. It's got um, basically a, a microcontroller is sort of the brains of this thing. And it's even got an analog joystick and some action buttons. So you can actually play some little video games on it as well. So what, what is it running? It's not, obviously it's not an iPhone. It's not Android either, I don't think. No, no. It's basically a version of uh, Arduino. Okay. So it's very, you know... Uh, uh, approachable and easy to program because they use these modules. So it's like drag and drop code. Okay. And there's actually kind of a neat little library of people uh, making apps for this as well. So, but you, you have to have some skills putting this together. You need to know how to solder things. Yeah, but this is also a great way to learn to solder. Do you want to do that on this? Well, I mean, I would start with like a $10 kit. Yeah. Get that first as a warm up, and then I would go into this. Keep in mind, this is a, a $200 Canadian smartphone, or let's call it a phone. Okay. It's a feature phone. Um, and, you know, it looks a lot of fun. That's all I can say. Like, I'm really looking forward to getting it. It's going to be here uh, this weekend. Okay, we're going to do a video on this. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, do they say how long it's going to take for a normal person to put this together? They say an average person will take five hours. Estimated build five, five hours. That's a long time. Yeah, but this would be fun for a family. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then you're, you're, you're get your son or daughter. You're invested in them too, right? Yeah. So, and again, it's two hundred dollars. You want your own phone? You're gonna have to build it yourself. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think it, these these kind of kits teach kids and adults. I, mean, I I keep buying these kits all the time. Oh, you love this stuff because it's it's fun. It's relaxing. It's what I do on a Friday night if I'm not going out. I put on Netflix. Yeah, I know. You watch a lot of content. Yeah. I, I don't. No. <laughs> I mean, no, I, I, I admire that about you. Yeah. Like, you, you know how to do this stuff. Yeah. Uh, that's why I get you to solder things yeah. <laughs> when I need it. But so $200, it's a lot, don't you think? For a phone? Yeah. I mean, you can go on Craigslist and get a phone for 100 bucks. Yeah, but you're not going to have the satisfaction of building it, learning how to program it. Uh, I'm just looking at, it's got a basically how to program a microcontroller in C++, Python, and other languages. And you also learn how the basics of a phone works from inside out. Do you need, like, so what if you don't want to do the programming? Like I said, it, you, you, it comes sort of out of the box. Ready, preloaded, yeah. Preloaded. And you can change and reprogram things. If you say you don't like something about it, you have the ability to go into the code and change it. That's kind of so, cool. So you can learn how to do that. And like I said, it's actually pretty easy to program because they've got this thing called Circuit Blocks. And so this is from a company called Circuit Mess. Yes. And they have a website. They sell this and you know other stuff as well. Yeah. And so you would basically order this from Croatia. Yeah. Yeah. And is that how the review's been on ordering? Uh, it, well, uh, f- it seems fine. Like I've seen, I've seen a lot of people with this. Okay. And it's coming DHL. It's, I've, I'm, it's all. It seems, seems above board. Yeah. Yeah. So to speak. Yeah. And, and these guys are, are pretty well respected in, in the maker space as well. Um, but yeah, I'm just looking at this circuit blocks. It's an open source programming language and it's open source. It has like, literally you just drag and drop different things and you stack them and that's how you program. You don't actually type code, although you can, if you want to. Okay. So, so uh, if you can use a mouse. Pretty much. Yeah. 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 And then you plug the phone in with a USB cable to the computer to load all this 
yeah. stuff in. Yeah. yeah. So so this is, uh, it's based on Microsoft's make code and PXT blocky, which is Google's blocky fork. That sounds like a lot of crazy words. I don't, I've never heard of blocky, but. But yeah, but these, these are all basically uh, open source programming languages that are really meant for people to learn how to code at the basic level. And then it gets you sort of interested in it and you want to go further and then you get into the actual code. So it's, it's kind of like a gateway drug to the code. We're talking about a do-it-yourself phone from CircuitMess. What do they call this? This is called the Ringo. The Ringo. And so this is a phone you'd buy from CircuitMess from Croatia. Yeah. Have it shipped here. It's about 200 bucks Canadian. Yeah. And it, it, literally, it literally comes in pieces. Do you need to supply your own tools? Uh, it, it, if you have a soldering setup already, you're probably pretty set up, but they actually sell a kit. I think it's like 10 or $12. Okay. So you can get the kit. Yeah. With everything you need. Okay. And so basically you get this phone in pieces yeah. and you can order like uh, a soldering kit to yeah. help put it together yeah. and you can basically make your own phone yeah. and program it too. Yeah. So this isn't going to be like one of those fancy touchscreen Android phones. It's, it's a tiny screen, but this is a lot of fun to start understanding how electronics works, how phones work, and even just basic programming. I think this would be a great thing for someone to get their kids to get interested in electronics, programming, and coding, because the end result is something that's actually functional and useful. My daughter would love this. We, we years back, we bought one of those constructor camera kits yep. where you, like, basically you make your own, D, or, uh, not DSLR, it's a film camera, yep. SLR, a film yep. SLR camera. I built that kit myself. Did you? I did. Yeah. I loved I, it. And she loved it. Yeah. So I'm going to show her this here and see if uh, she's going to be into that. So we're going to actually put one of these together and we'll do a video for it yeah. in the coming weeks here. Yeah. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You're back with the App Show. Mike and John here. Don't forget to hit our websites. And I encourage you to do so if you uh, are interested in technology. And you don't have to be an Uber nerd. Uh, we make it really easy to understand. We've got all sorts of great videos. So we're always testing out the latest in smartphones and smart home gear. Getting into e-bikes and e-scooters now as well. So we've got great videos and articles uh, up there. Also a lot of uh, great uh, how-to guides on all the subscription services like Spotify, Apple Music, uh, and what have you. Ted Kritsonos, our contributor, has done a great job uh, uh, with that and uh, we always have contests going and we've got some uh, cool contests coming up including one from MasterCard where you can win up to a thousand dollars in uh, MasterCard gift cards uh, we'll be announcing more details on that shortly but up on our website all that information is there also our podcast so this is the app show broadcast across Canada. We make a podcast version so you can go back and listen to previous uh, shows. And we also have our sister show, Get Connected, where it all started. Yeah. And so all the podcasts uh, are up there and easily linkable. You can download and subscribe to them. And because Apple's got a big event coming up next week on Tuesday, we're actually going to watch it, live stream it. So if you want to watch the Apple event with us, Mike and John will had her own commentary to what uh, Cupertino has on... Or witty repartee. Yes, yes. Maybe some hot sauce? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, check, yeah, check out our show. Yeah. Uh, we did a, a little uh, fun half-hour show eating hot wings and hot sauce. And hot I don't, How does that merge with tech? Well, you have to find out. You'll visit our website or go to our YouTube channel and search up uh, Get Connected. I want to thank all the folks that helped put the uh, program together. Of course, John Beeler, my co-host. He's one of our producers, and so is Christina Stoyanova and all the rest of uh, the guys uh, back at the studio. We'll see you again next time.
You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.